So good morning, and wow. Good morning, I'm Pastor Ian. I am the online campus pastor, and my other thing other than getting us online is an online devotional, so I encourage, I'd appreciate it if you read it. Makes me feel like I'm actually doing my job. But I have to admit that I was a little discombobulated yesterday, and I didn't write one for today. I felt kind of silly when my wife goes, um, where's the devotion? Check my phone, check my computer, and went, oh, I forgot. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I know it's shocking, especially for those of you that really know me. I don't have it all together. I heard that, oh, really? I heard that. But surprisingly, none of you do either. And, you know, the, the reality is that you know, all of us in life struggle with having it all together. There's a time in our lives where it could be a small thing, could be a whole bunch of small things, could be a really, really big thing that just keeps our life from being, well, what we think would be nice and patient and calm. Yeah, welcome to living. But there are those that are in our world that have a particular struggle with trying to find that normalcy that you or I might take for granted. And those are those who struggle with mental health issues. And there are so many things that are shoved under this umbrella of mental health that it gets overwhelming. You know, I may have all my pastoral training, and someone may else have all their help the people training, but the reality is there's so much in that list that it's kind of like, whoa, how do we even talk about it? So I'm going to just focus on kind of a, a minor area. So about, you know, 10 years ago, there was a survey done where the American population was asked where they stand, and about 5.5% of the population was diagnosed and was seeking treatment and was otherwise you know, stated that they were suffering from anxiety and depression. That's about 1 in 20. Bring that to a little over a year ago, same survey done, it's now 19.5%. So it went from one in 20 to one in five. And part of the problem with the whole mental health function is the church kind of put itself in a box over the years. And it, it couldn't differentiate, just like we are only beginning to really learn, the difference between mental health and spiritual health. So what happened is, for those that were suffering with mental health issues... They were told, oh, it'll be all right. Your, your faith is just not strong enough. Now, I hope that none of you went to Pastor Craig and said, Pastor Craig, you know, with your cancer, your faith is just, just isn't strong enough. But we do that with mental health. And part of the problem is we, we get to Scripture and we, we have discussions you know, with people who are, I won't say ignorant is hard to, is, is kind of the wrong terminology. It's more of they didn't have a complete understanding of mental health 
So I want to start with Mark. With Mark. So if, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 5, and we also have it on the app and obviously up on the screen. And I want to start with this passage. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. Next slide. What is your name, he asked him. My name is Legion, he answered, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Here we have a man who is struggling. You hear voices, you're struggling. And in our day and age, there are a lot of people that will take Scripture and look at that and go, oh, he just had schizophrenia. Well, scriptures say he had demon possession. And the, and the reality is both fit, but it's not actually Scripture's point. It's not whether he had schizophrenia or demon possession. The man needed Jesus. And that is the whole start and story of salvation. We all need Jesus. I was worried for a moment there. You know, but when we look at this passage, this passage is actually symptomatic of the struggle that the church has. It has struggled with this passage. This is actually one of those struggling passages. So if the man has demons, oh, that's easy for the church. He just needs to be exercised. You know, he needs Jesus. Let's get, just get those demons out of there. But if he has schizophrenia, the church's often response is, yeah, you just need more faith. Wow. Not a particularly great response. There we go. So, but I want to poke, focus on this passage because this one actually takes another step from this. And it's, you know, back in Mark, a night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. So in addition to the voices in his head, which I'm sure was more than enough, he was cutting himself. Now, over the years, I've heard people say that he was cutting himself and hurting himself and bruising himself because, well, he was naked and on a whole bunch of sharp stones. The problem is scripture doesn't give us this luxury. It's a willful statement. He was cutting himself. Now in our day and age, we actually have, we actually identify it that way. We call it cutting. And it's this practice where someone who is having a mental health struggle cuts themselves for there are a couple of reasons. One, it, it, to them, it feels like they're releasing pain. For another, 
or when they cut themselves, they feel like they're alive. And then for another, it's the only thing they feel they have control over. And whether this guy had schizophrenia or demon possession, he had no control. So he responded in the only way he could. He cut himself. Now I'm not exactly I'm not expecting anyone here to understand cutting. But the reality is that everyone has some kind of way that they are responding to the struggles of their life. And it is our, not our job to judge them, nor is it our job to condemn them. It is our job to love them. And this is where the church is supposed to come alongside everybody, not just those struggling with mental illness. Because you, you know, everyone needs Jesus, regardless of who they are. But what bothers me is that the church is following and the world is leading. And I want to start today, and maybe it's a little presumptuous on my part, but I want to start right here in Generations Community Church and turn that upside down. I do not want the world to lead the church and how to show love, compassion, caring, and understanding. If that doesn't bother you that the church is doing a better job than we are, we need to have another conversation. The society is actually trying to fix it. You know, they're, working on, they're, they're working on their end. We need to work on ours. They, those with mental illness, cannot be, should not be defined by their mental illness. They have a mental illness, yes, agreed, but they should not be defined by it, and nor should we define them by it. For you see, now I know why Craig hates this thing. <laughs> Next slide, kiddo. There we go. A person with mental health struggles is a child of God. And like a child of God, there we go. And as a child of God, they should be loved like one. Amen. People who do not understand mental illness or choose not to understand mental illness miss this vital point. We are called to love them. Now, part of the other piece that goes along with this is, is this concept, and it's sadly seems to be more prevalent in the church, but I'm, it's, it's not just theirs. They'll get over it. Especially when we talk about depression and anxiety. Oh, pff, it's just a phase. You'll get past it. Hmm. For someone who's going through a particular crisis, yes, I agree. They probably get over it and probably will get past it. But a person with mental health struggles, it's a war, not a battle. So you ba a battle is only part of a war. It's a bigger, it fits into the war 
But this battle is, it is a daily battle. And honestly, it's a war for a lifetime. If you know someone with mental health struggles, you know that they are fighting it regularly. They don't get to take a vacation. They also cannot fight it alone. Just like in battle, in military battle, you cannot fight it alone. You cannot fight a war. You cannot finish a war on your own. Looks great in the comic books and in the movies. Looks really awesome. Hey, there's that really strong hero. Yeah. Except it doesn't work that way in the real life. But Jesus does give us hope. John writes, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Just like every Christian, those with mental health problems have a counselor. They have the counselor. And that counselor is always with them. But that does not mean we get to abdicate our responsibility. When people fight battles, they're supposed to fight it with sound guidance. And their victory comes with many counselors. Friends, family, framily. Everyone needs friends. And wise counsel. Mental health is not to be fought alone. They need encouragement. Now, they need encouragement, but don't give them false words of positivity. One, they know you're lying. But number two, that's not what they need from you. They need for you to just love them where they're at right now. And so, for, and for those of you, and, and I know sometimes this is a struggle, is what does it mean to live with a mental health problem? Well, Isaiah writes, we hope for light, but there is darkness for brightness, but we live in the night. In the middle of their fight, in the middle of their battle, in the middle of their war, they're always looking for light. but they can't always find it. And part of the reason why we have to talk about counselors and many advocates and friends is, well, every person who's struggling with a mental health problem, they kind of have family. And regardless of what everyone tries to keep it an individual thing, the family gets sucked into it, whether they like it or not. So, you know that number we talked about, one in five? Add the family, and you now have three in five. This is not a thing where you can just say it's somebody else's problem. Paul writes in Galatians 6, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, 
watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Paul is specifically addressing a, a sin situation. So a sin is a willful act that separates you from God. Someone with a mental health problem, this is not a willful sin. Yay, God, let me have a mental health problem. So if we are supposed to bear one another's burdens and come alongside them and to care for them when they are, have willfully separated themselves from God, what more should we do for those who are not willfully? A sign of compassion and a sign of care. Well, I really don't know how to talk to somebody about mental health. Okay? Frankly, a lot of people who are suffering with mental health kind of don't really know how to talk about it either. Often we're not called to talk. Whoops. Now nah, I'm too fast. Often we are not called to talk. We are called to be present. We are, you know, the, the, we are called to be present in the lives of one another. To know one another. To be, as we like to do it, fr- call it family. And to be honest, we all need a whole lot more help in being family to one another. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm sorry I don't know every single one of you. And you're probably glad you don't know me. But <laughs> the, the reality is that there is somebody here that is struggling with mental illness. And they look totally normal. You cannot tell. And see, that's the thing, is we often think, when, when, when we see it on the media, or especially in the movies, like, for example, the Joker that's out, mental illness is easy to see. No. No, it's not. Who are you or I to judge what somebody else is going through? There could be a person with mental illness who's getting medication, Thank you, Lord. They're getting medication. Let me restate that. They're getting doctoral oversight and medication. And the reason I say that is because, well, there are frankly a number of people with mental illness that are self-medicating with alcohol, drugs, a bunch of other things. But then there are those that frankly are just maybe just getting counseling or those who are doing nothing, but you cannot tell. Many years ago, I heard a sermon from a pastor who, had been, who was long retired and was been preaching and been a pastor for so many years, but he was doing pulpit supply. And I'm not sure what caused this sermon, what, what caused him to drive it, but he basically got up there and apologized for the last however many years of his ministry because he realized that he had done something incredibly wrong to his people. He mistreated those with mental health. He apologized. He went, I'm one of those that said 
you just have a spiritual problem. He said, I'm one of those that said your faith is not strong enough. I'm one of those who hurt you and had no idea what I was doing. So he confessed. He apologized. One of my deepest regrets is that I never talked to him about that sermon. I never let him know that he broke a barrier between me and the church. In my family, depression runs very, very deep. So deep, in fact, that I was not even a teenager the first time I contemplated suicide. I deal with anxiety and depression on a daily basis, and thank God, I'm still here. But I look relatively (laughs) normal. At least everybody gets that joke. Uh, But for those struggling with mental illness, I really do understand what it means to hope for light when there is darkness, but you live in the night. For that has been my struggle. But as you saw the preview, that's not the final answer. That's not God's answer. Sheesh. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So that light, obviously, we, we all recognize that it, it was Jesus. But the reason I brought up that sermon is because, you see, it was after that sermon that Jesus went tap, 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 tap. I was like, yes. Um, you know that light that you kept trying to follow before you knew me? The one that you listened to in desperation and in hope? that something would change, so you did not take your life? Uh, yeah, that was me. To hear that after 20, 20 years of a struggle without no, not knowing Jesus, to know that Jesus was there even then when I did not know him, that was huge for me. Now, the problem with mental illness, and and often one of our struggles is, well, God isn't healing my mental health. And we get to James 5, someday. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. Everyone with mental health, with a mental illness, everyone who has a physical illness, please keep praying to God. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be healed or cured. It doesn't mean any less that God doesn't love you. Obviously, I would not be up here talking about this. Well, I might be if God had healed me. 
And the problem with this passage or the way it's been used over the years is they look at that righteous word. Oh, well, you're not righteous enough. That's why you're not healed. Are you going to tell that to someone who's suffering with cancer or heart disease or anything else? I certainly hope not. But yet, these words are the ones spoken to those suffering with mental health. James isn't promising you're going to be healed. James is saying there's hope that you will be healed. Big difference. Big difference. As a human being, as a pastor, you know, I have found Paul's words, it sounds a little strange to, to find these words uh, helpful, but he writes, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. My thorn has allowed me to talk to people with mental illness. Because it's not a clinical thing for me. It's my life. Do I, I can't even count the number of times I've talked to people about mental health, including in this church. Mental health is a daily thing that you can help others with. But for those of you who have a mental health struggle, for those of you who are struggling because your family member has a mental health struggle, I want you to know that your thorn may be the very thing that allows you to be the light for others. Bringing light to the world is our calling. Every single one of us. If Jesus Christ called you, which he has, then you're to be the light. Whether it's depression, anxiety, some stronger form of psychosis, whether it's cancer, whether it's high blood pressure, we are called to be the light for others. And oftentimes God uses our struggles to be the light for others. So what can we do? First, love them. I, and I know it kind of sounds kind of stupid and redundant to say, hey, we're the church. Let's love them. Yeah, except we all still seem to, seem to keep needing that lesson. Love them. Be open. Here's the thing. Be open to somebody having a different perspective on the world than you. When it comes to health issues, especially with mental health issues, it becomes a struggle of perception. 
and your perception is going to be different than theirs. Be vulnerable. This is the awkward one. Because for whatever reason, whenever someone has a mental health struggle, we're like, I don't really want to talk to this guy or gal. It makes me feel uncomfortable. How do you think they feel? But that's the point. We are being vulnerable with our own weaknesses. And lastly, be ready. Be ready. The funny thing is when, when we say, hey, God, use me, God uses you. When God calls you to be the light to the world, um, by the way, that's a 24-7, 365, 65 and a quarter days a year. I knew some, there's going to be some astronomical person that's going to critique me on that. You're called to be that all the time. Be the light. Let those who are suffering with mental illness or physical illness, let them know that you are wearing, bearing the light of Christ into their lives so that they do not forget that there is a God in heaven that loves them as a child of God. If our musicians would come out, and we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We thank you that you have brought grace and mercy into our lives. Let us be full of grace and mercy towards everyone else. May we continue to be the light into the world and lighten the darkness of people's hearts and minds. That the light will spread for your light cannot be overcome by darkness. Amen. And I suppose I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to pray for the offering too. I always forget that part. So now it comes to the time in our service where we get to thank God with our offerings of our... Ooh, I got more than it Craig did. But let us pray for that. Dear Heavenly Father, Again, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have given us. Whether it's our time, whether it's our possessions, whether it's our money, we give them freely up to you with joyful hearts. May you do things with them that we are unable to comprehend and in ways immeasurable. In your name we pray. Amen.